Hey, Billy, you know what's awesome? What's that, man? Guitar gods. Oh, yeah. I don't know where I'd be without guitars. Yeah. <laughs> So I'm going to start off this episode of Guitar Gods real quick, because in the pre-roll we were talking about uh, Rick Allen from Def Leppard, the drummer with one arm. I don't know if I've ever told you the story about how like my neighbor gave me a, a set of drums, and uh, it was an electronic drum set, so I'm trying to teach the girls how to play drums, and I'm trying to get them to follow just a simple little 4-4 rhythm, like, you know, not even not even using their feet, really, just, just their hands, just like tap, 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 you know? Right. I'm like okay, and they're, they're they're whining and they're losing their bones and they're falling sideways and, and they just can't do it. It's just too hard. So a couple of days later, we're driving in the car and a Def Leppard song comes on, and I was like, "Hey guys, you, you hear this song?" They're like, "Yeah." I was like, "The drummer for this band only has one arm," and they're like, "What? Like, how's that possible?" It's like he lost in a car accident, but he still plays. He's he's drumming in this band. And uh, I was, and they're like, wow. I was like, yeah. So if he can do all of this with one arm, then you certainly can do half of that with two. They didn't care. But from then on, <laughs> now, now whenever they hear a song, they just play the air drums with one arm instead of two because they think that's cool. <laughs> wow, lost in translation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah like, you're, you're gonna have to get a little bit older for these dad isms to really sink in because. You're, you're not getting it now. Uh, so you come from a very musical background. Yep. What's uh, what's what's some of your earlier memories of not necessarily guitar godness, but just like music in general? Kind of like what's your what's what's your base? Well, the first influence I had besides my dad being a musician is uh, he had an eight track of Jim Croce. And uh, mm. Bad Bad Leroy Brown was the first song I sang. It's even in my baby book. That Bad Bad E-Boy Bound. Was. <laughs> nice. And, uh, I mean, I still to this day, I was just talking to some guys at work today. I said I absolutely love Jim Croce because, it, it, you know, it was the singer-songwriter thing, but he gave it street cred, you know? Mm -hmm. Because when he sang, he didn't sing like, and the birds in the trees. I mean, he sang like, he got a tattoo to just say a baby. He got another one to just say, hey. You know, so he was using <laughs> the language that people were just, that you talk in normal life. And, and mm -hmm. I was always impressed with that. And then he turned around and do, you know, time in a bottle and things like that. But I've just, uh, I've always liked him. And uh, all that was fantastic. Uh, Dad was a big country guy. So I grew up with, you know, Conway and all this stuff. And then he said he messed up when he bought me that first Kiss record. And uh, of course. it went downhill from there. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, like, like I said, with with me, it was just you know, always having music in the house when I was little. Um, my dad went through so many different phases, which is, I always thought it was odd when I was younger, but now I'm kind of running through the same phases of, you know, it's like, I'll, I'll be like pure like 80s metal one day mm -hmm. and then like straight up singer song the next day and sure. then like i just bought a record uh yesterday that's like like uh electro swing so it's like you know it's like that that kind of 40s uh trumpet 
you know, big band sound set yeah. to kind of a modern modern drum beat, and it's yeah. just real cool. So I'm all over the map yeah. with 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 things, but I think maybe the first time I ever really really paid attention was uh, you said you know you, you got ruined by the uh, by the Kiss record or whatever. Mm-hmm. My dad listened to a lot of country when I was little, and we were watching Hee Haw, oh. and uh, Roy Clark was on there doing. <laughs> Yeah. doing something and that i mean i would that was so good that i was intimidated like there was just no way that anybody could ever be yeah. that good right i mean he was just phenomenal and he'd make funny faces mm-hmm. and like like wiggle his eyebrows and you know like crack jokes pretty much while he was doing this virtuoso yeah. finger style with both hands and you know, he's not an idol of mine or anything, but there's just a special place in my heart for Roy Clark on Hee Haw of all places, just yeah. nailing it and just yep. being like, man, this is just something that, uh, so, so, something you gotta see. If you've never yeah. seen it, go to YouTube, man. There's they're all over the yeah. place and it's it's phenomenal. Whether you like country music or not, because he plays a lot of classical stuff too. Right. And uh, that dude was amazing. Roy Clark and and Glenn Campbell. I mean, people mm-hmm. don't understand Glenn Campbell. I mean, even Alice Cooper said, Glenn Campbell's the best guitar player I've ever heard in my life. And, you know, uh, just because you don't like the style of music, you've got to appreciate somebody's talent. Certainly. Everything you just mentioned about Roy Clark is exactly why my wife hates Roy Clark. (laughs) (laughs) Because he made all the faces? She she doesn't like the show-off thing, right? You know, so she grew up hating Roy Clark. And... uh, (laughs) And she's still kind of that way about certain Barbara Mandrell. She hated Barbara Mandrell for the same reason because she would make faces and she'd jump from this instrument to that instrument, the show off thing, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you and I, we were like, "That's who I want to be." <laughs> yeah, I want to be that guy when I grow up. But see, well, and I was a big Buck Owens fan though, and I still love Buck Owens, man. I love his songs, right? So mm-hmm. it's no big deal for me to be driving down the road and just jamming to some Buck Owens, man, and and. It's funny. I mean, Hee Haws was just one of the, Maybe we need to do a Hee Haw show sometime. You know, it's been so long since I've seen it. I don't even remember watching it that much when I was a kid. I just remember it being on from time to time. And, uh, you know, they'd have their different musical acts. And yeah. it was... I mean, it was a goofy little... You know, they got the sure. old lady with the with the, with Mini Pearl with Minnie the hat Pearl. on. Yeah. But, um, but just seeing some of those clips of... of yeah. uh He's, he's Absolutely just nailing it. Burning it. Yep. But then you know you mentioned you mentioned Croce, same thing like, um, which you know he was. If you've ever, well, I mean, I'm sure you have, but for the listeners, if you ever look Jim Croce, you've heard his songs, you know, probably on the the adult contemporary or classical music station, and it's a it's a romantic singer songwriter sound. But then if you ever watch him play, mm-hmm. he he and uh, I can't remember his partner's name. Yeah. Uh, the other, but they were they were virtuoso. Finger, finger style players, yeah, and they're both playing finger style accompaniments to one another, and so it makes you know whatever whatever chord they're happening to play. Like maybe it's a G chord, but it's a G chord with like thirty notes in it because right. of the way that they're playing it, and it just fleshes out the sound. And you you, you realize that studios will will overtrack and overlayer. You know, professional musicians will, will overtrack and overlayer their guitars to make make them sound bigger and deeper and more full and these two guys were doing all of that by themselves yeah with uh well i guess you know one of them's got a 12 string and the other one's got a six string so 
you know, 18 strings, but still... Being, being created with your chord choices. Instead of both of them playing just a regular G, an open G, they're finding different ways to play it to complement each other, and, and that's what makes mm -hmm. that sound. And, you know, that was that was kind of the, the, you know, the real turning point for that, because that way you're just not playing just a big, dumb G chord, you know? Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, uh, which I, it, I love me a big dumb G chord, but oh yeah, 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 the A that punch you in the gut, right? Uh, <laughs> right? Seals and Croft, same deal, right? Of course, you had a mandolin in there with those guys, but those singer songwriters thing that was a big deal with with my dad. So I grew up with that, and I, I've never understood people that only stuck with one style of music because it's all relative. You know, mm -hmm. there's no reason you can't like Slayer. And Al Jolson, right? <laughs> right, of course. Because you go back and you try to play some of that stuff. I mean, you can watch Marx Brothers movies and be blown away by the guitar playing on there by Groucho, of all people. Because he's mm -hmm. not the one people think of when they think of the music ability. But you watch him playing these chords and you're like, what in the world is he playing? You mm -hmm. know? It's just, you know, that, that was a whole different world back in the 30s. And we've kind of lost that. And we've kind of created our own virtuosos for our time. Definitely. And, and you know, like you say, just I think a lot, too, a lot of these guys, especially, you know, with in the 30s, with, with television and even radio being such a relatively new medium, you know, remember these, these old stories of, like, you know, basically, like, the music industry was terrified whenever... Uh, Records came out because people wouldn't buy the right. sheet music anymore. Right. And then they'd get upset if somebody like bought the sheet music and then memorized the song because they didn't or, or taught it to somebody else because of like copyright claims. Like people were getting DCMA'd back in the day for like telling somebody about what what order eighth and quarter notes went in. Right. You know, like <laughs> like now now we just Snip, snip a clip off of YouTube and kind of take our chances. But back then, it was, you know, it's like, so it's, it's, that whole thing's been around for a long time. Yeah. But the classical playing, like the reading of the music, the understanding of the scales, like I think um, rock and roll got rid of a lot of that. Oh, yeah. Because back then, back then, if you played a guitar, you had sheet music. Yep. You probably had a nice, handy guide to some common chords for the beginner. But, just like a piano, you sat down at a guitar and you were do 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 like right. from day one. And so if you were if you were good enough to get into those upper echelons, you'd probably been playing since you were like five years old. <laughs> you were probably pretty freaking good. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah, and that's that's the that what what went against the whole rock and roll mindset because it the, the discipline wasn't there, right? <laughs> it wasn't mm -hmm. about discipline; it was about feel. So. Your guys in the 60s coming up, you know, your Claptons and guys, you know, started taking the pentatonic, man, the Delta Blues, take the pentatonic scale, and, and there you go, man. It's the devil's music. Mm-hmm. And it's such great music it is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so going, going through, you know, coming up, you know, just always being a fan of music. Then, you know, you have your, I'm going to say, like, my formative years, because music was always in the house, so we always had, we always had stuff. And then I remember, I don't remember how old I was. Well, I could tell you how old I was. It was, like, 1986, 87, like, 
we had like NXS, Def Leppard, Bon Jovi, um, a lot of these. You know, the 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 anthemic guitar rock of the '80s was right. was 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 about to get you know turned over by by guys like Guns N' Roses and Metallica, but you still had that like that big sound, that big '80s lead guitar uh, sound, and uh, but then for me probably the biggest game changer no the game changer for me was going to be Guns N' Roses and Slash yeah but prior to that was going to be Jimi Hendrix because sure. um you know so, something was on somebody did a cover of something and you know my either my uncle or my dad was like oh you know you like that here you need to listen to the original and right. it was like um and and that's one of those like I've I joked but like with Jimi Hendrix with with no chemicals whatsoever, that all came later. Whenever I was an older <laughs> kid, so I wasn't wasn't when I was like nine or ten. But you hear like those uh, those notes in the guitar solo in uh, like Watchtower. Yep. You you can see those notes. Yeah. You can right. see how they sound. You can see them fluttering around in your head as that as that wah moves. Yep. And not knowing what a wah pedal is or or does and and all of that stuff just. Without knowing anything about the guitar, just listening to the music and realizing that you can see sound yep. was for me a game changer. Like just woke up so many things in my in my consciousness, I guess, which obviously was what Jimi Hendrix was trying to do yeah. with with the music that he was writing. But um, I mean, it affected me at a very young age of just being like, "This guy is is awesome. <laughs> this guy is amazing." The the best description I've ever read about. I can't remember what documentary it is, but is a guitar player from another band, maybe the Birds or something. Not not one of the big birds that come, you know, but somebody mm-hmm. who's in the band who basically said, you know, Hendrix took the the dirty, muddy, you know, Delta Blues and took it to Mars. He took it somewhere it had never been, and that was the impact. He said that's how big of a change his playing was because nobody was doing that. And of course, you know, mm-hmm. then, then everybody starts trying to figure out how to do that. And, you know, and people say all the time, well, there's a reason why he was that good. You know, people don't understand. They said he practiced nonstop. Mm-hmm. And that's how he got that good. It was just, that's, that's the life he led. And, you know, uh, I imagine the ones that we're going to end up talking about I mean, obviously, Hendrix is really the, the, the launching pad. Hendrix and, and Clapton are your launching pads. Jimmy mm-hmm. Page, you know. But Jimmy Page is a direct effect of those guys, right? Right. I mean, Jimmy Page even kind of took Clapton's place in the Yardbirds. <laughs> you know? Yes, very much so. So, uh, you know, it, it's it's interesting. So, yeah, this is going to be fun because I'm, I'm interested to see. I mean, I already know you're a big Guns fan, so that's not a shocker. Mm-hmm. But I'm interested to see what else you pull out of the bag because I think mine are kind of scattered. They're all still in the rock kind of genre, but that's what I grew up with more than anything else. Um, of course. So yeah, where do we start? Oh uh, well, I just mentioned Hendrix. What you got? What's 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 somebody on your next list? I mean, there's uh, God, there's so many good ones out there. But well, I mean, you if, if you're gonna walk a through the the virtuosos of the, of the big game changers, and he's he's not necessarily my favorite, 
but there's no denying the impact of this guy. And it's it's Eddie Van Halen, man. I mean, oh yeah. I I, I don't like everything Van Halen, but come on, man. Nobody was making that sound. Nobody can still make that sound. And it's kind of kind of just like what you're saying with Hendrix. I mean, there's there's really only only one. And uh, I mean, Eddie just took it to another level too, and makes it look like he's doing nothing. But you know the 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 common denominator here, and I think it's going to affect everybody we're going to talk about, except maybe Slash, and that's because you can't see his face. But every one of these guys that are probably going to make this list are very expressive facially mm-hmm. when they're playing this instrument because it goes right back to what you were saying, visually seeing the music. Everybody that I'm going to name, to me when they play, I see something, right? It make, it puts a visual in my head. Uh, Eddie changed the world, man. I mean, he changed the whole design of what people were playing guitar-wise the style they were playing, you know, there's another guy that's right right there close on his heels too that's just as important. But I think for this first conversation, I got to go with Ed, man. I mean, it's 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 still mind-numbing to go back and hear some of that stuff that he was doing and that sound he was getting. Well, and that's like like I said, you know, when we were talking about talking about uh bands and that wasn't a double talking about, like, I didn't mean to do that. We were talking about talking about bands. <laughs> um, you mentioned Van Halen, and I said, you know, I'm, I'm a little hot and cold on Van Halen, and it's not because I don't I dislike Van Halen. It's that um, there, there was two things about Van Halen. First one is David Lee Roth to, to Hagar. Like, I never really liked anything in the Hagar year, so that cuts off, like, more than half of their uh, right. <laughs> of their work. And then inside of in, inside of uh, the the Roth years, um, like they like so it was hot and cold for me. Like they have their really I'm, great stuff. And I'm the same way, man. I'm just kind of like, but um, you know, it's like you, there's no way that you can hear. Even though there's a lot of guitar players that can play it, they can play it note for note, and it's a hard play thing to do. But like Eruption, for example, yeah, um, you know, it's like. I was in a band and our guitar player could play that. And I was mm-hmm. I was amazed every time I watched him play it. <clears throat> but to be able to write that, to yeah. sit there and, and, and be like, okay, today I'm going to do this thing that is just so out of the box compared to what has been in the past. Um, you know, the only thing I can really kind of compare that to is like Jimi Hendrix's <laughs> uh, 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 Star Spangled Banner. Right. You know, it's 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 more it's 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 more better constructed, but it's just so far off the rails that you're just like, what are you doing? Yeah. And then to know that Eddie used to like face away from the crowd yeah. to do his little tapping technique because he didn't want to let let, let everybody know, know what he was, he was doing. doing that. Right. Um, you know, just so many so many innovations inside of playing that, of course, I'm you know, I got nothing but. Except for you know, he's kind of a bitch apparently. Yeah, you know, yeah, I, I hear the horror stories too. All these years, we thought Dave was the problem, but apparently not. You know, yeah. but I'm well, I'm the know. I'm the same way, man. I'm I'm almost like every other album I'm I'm cool with with Van Halen. You know that it's mm-hmm. you know I like Dave, but there's a part of Dave I don't like. I like Sammy, but I don't like everything they did with Sammy. You know, mm-hmm. so I'm kind of in that 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 balance too. I mean, but none of it will ever diminish what the original lineup did, Ed's guitar playing, 
And I have to throw Alex's drummer in the, drumming in there too, man. Phenomenal drummer. Totally overlooked because of his brother. Of course. Yeah. Which is that that happens with, with sure. a lot of fa- yeah. family bands as well. Yeah. But but then you know and like we don't have to top five it all the way up like like yeah from least to best. But you know you already mentioned Slash. Yeah. And you know, and yeah, like Guns N' Roses entire body of work hit me at an age in my early teens where it was just pretty much I mean the the illusion records have not aged as well as appetite yep. um lies lies has a has a few I mean it lies is a great record mm-hmm. um it's got some songs that have not aged well as well <laughs> um <laughs> but uh as a whole the you know, even when in moving into the illusions, when Axel is extremely unstable, you can tell by his lyrics. Where he's one, like one hand, he's, you know, he's awesome, and the very next song, he's like calling out like magazine publishers, asking them to fight. Right? Yeah, get in the but, ring. <laughs> yeah, but um, but Slash's guitar never wavers. Yeah, like he is, he's consistent, and he's consistently awesome. Whether he whether he's covering like whether he's playing for Michael Jackson, whether he's you know, doing his own thing with the snake pit, whether he's doing Velvet Revolver, like, um, and yep. the, it's just that raw tone, it's that, that that blues sound that he's got, just that very, I don't even yep. know how to describe it, it's just, it's, 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 Jimmy, it's the Jimmy Page school of rock and roll is what it is. I mean, mm-hmm. he's he's not doing anything... That really hasn't been played. He's just he knows how to put those notes in the right order, right? Exactly. Which is exactly why the next guy I'll talk about is is why I picked them too. But yeah, man, it's Slash. I mean, what can you say? Is there a bigger debut album than than Appetite for Destruction? I don't I don't mm-hmm. think so, man. I mean, it's just it's just a juggernaut. And yeah. It's just as potent now as it was then. It still sounds fantastic. And Lies is where I stopped. I bought the the first two <laughs> albums I heard. I heard Use Your Illusion and instantly didn't like it. Because I thought, okay, they've gotten too big too fast, overproduced, mm-hmm. and it killed that rawness that they had, you know? And plus, well, they, certainly. Got, they got Matt Sorum in the band, and that's never a good thing. <laughs> I love Matt well, Sorum as, as a drummer, but when he gets in the band, it's over. Right, you mentioned that before. Yeah. And like I said, you know, like, for for me, when it, when when illusion when the illusions came out, um, specifically, I guess like with uh, like you could be mine, mine. don't cry, uh, November rain, mm-hmm. like even like you said, even though it was overproduced, I was just at an age where it was like right. okay, that's just the next logical step. Like I had, yeah, I had a couple of hurdles I needed to go through before I got to punk rock, which led me back around back to the beginning so I could be like oh crap this is what they were so, like right Guns N' Roses Guns N' Roses was a pissed off Aerosmith yep. Aerosmith was a was a was a hard party and drunken but they were a party band right and you take you take you take Aerosmith and you piss them off then you got Guns N' Roses yeah, Guns N' Roses that's a, that's a and, perfect uh, way to describe them <laughs> and uh you know but Guns N' Roses just hit me where I lived right there mm-hmm. it's like boom I wanted to be them I wanted to you know like uh, the author Neil Gaiman, who wrote Good Omens and The Sandman and stuff, he uh, he likes to say that he he wanted to write Lord of the Rings, and what he he didn't want to 
be Lord of the Rings having been written by Neil Gaiman, he wanted to be J.R.R. Tolkien. Like, he wanted to enter another universe and sit down <laughs> and write the book and be the one who had created that. Yeah. And I always thought that was with GNR. Like, I would, like, I don't know how to play the drums, but I'd sure as hell sit in the <laughs> sit on the kit and play those four four beats cause just to be in that band, you know? Right. <laughs> See what they saw, right. be where they've been. You know, that's that was always my thing. So, and Sla- Slash is always going to be, like, on the top tier for me. Yeah. And the thing what Guns N' Roses did is they brought back, you know, they, they, they really started that whole more trashy rock and roll look because everybody was glammed out at that point, right? I mean, mm-hmm. even even Motley Crue was starting to look very, very feminine at the time. And that's yep. just that's just a trend, right? Because it sells. Um, and, you know, Slash, at a very young age, tried out for this next band I'm going to talk about, and they didn't hire him because he was too young. And that's obviously Kiss, right? My uh-huh. my all-time favorite guitar player is always going to be Ace Frehley because when I from the time I was six years old, I wanted to be Ace Frehley. I mean, mm-hmm. spaceman, playing a guitar, incredible harmonics, right? He could hold a feedback note forever. <laughs> and he just, he really knew how to control those aspects of it which really stood out he he knew how to play to his ability for the song it never was the most incredible mind-blowing thing but it worked for the song and the tones were always fantastic and i think that's what i always appreciated about him because i got i got different guitar heroes for different reasons right he's that first influence right that's that's the guy i always (laughs) wanted to be you know he didn't have to sing a song he was just there to, when it's his turn, to stomp on his pedal, and that guitar is going to take over everything else you're hearing in this song. Uh, you know, he's got his faults. He, he's he's a Jimmy Page guy who plays a little cleaner than Jimmy Page. Jimmy Page was mm-hmm. the experimental, let's figure this out and see what happens, and Ace just kind of narrowed it and said, I'm going to stick with the Chuck Berry licks and the Jimmy Page licks that work. <laughs> and that's going right. to... And I'm just gonna play it really loud with a really good sounding amp. I mean, that's that's it, right? <laughs> but sometimes uh, that's all you need. It's all you need, man. And and play for the songs. And you know, every one of his solos you can sing. You can't sing "Eruption," right? Right. <laughs> Ace of solos you can sing. You know, and I think there's there's a magic to that. And uh, Slash is the same way. Slash is exactly the same way. <laughs> I mean, you know, you hear those things and you can sing it. Mm-hmm. And that that's what makes it speak to people, right? But it's on different levels because probably the next guy I talk about is on the other end of that spe- spectrum. So, <laughs> um, But yeah, man. Ace to me is is just as you know relative to me as like Slash is for you. That's that's who I wanted to be. And now I play drums because I can't be Ace Freely. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I can't I can't be any of them. So I just strum my guitar and make make noise and <laughs> te- teaching my kids how to play ukulele now. That's fun. Oh. And uh, like w- just one of those things. So like I started trying to teach my daughter how to play guitar. And her hand's too small, which yeah. I don't think her hand's too small. She says her hand's too small. So then uh, she was talking to her Mimi, and her Mimi was like, okay. So then her uncle got her a uh, 
little ukulele. And it looks like a toy. I mean, it's like this big. I think I showed it to you on the video. Yeah, and yeah. So I was like, okay, well, let me see. Let me see what... Let me see what this is about. So I found a little YouTube tutorial and I'm like learning how to play the ukulele. And I'm sitting there playing this little tiny pink ukulele that barely fits in my hand. I'm like, okay, that's not so bad. Like, she can learn this. This is pretty easy, actually. Yeah. So then I had to buy one of my own because I like I can't teach her with <laughs> her as well. Right. I'm not with I'm you know. So I bought bought myself one, but I got a bigger one that my my hands will fit. But yeah, dude, like. That was that was the thing, you know. Going going quickly back to Slash was just those, you know. I didn't need to be like super rock star. I just wanted to play. I just wanted to be able to play the the, the songs. I right. wanted to be able to. It's like you know something like Patience, for example. It's like okay, well, you know, it's acoustic guitar. He doesn't really have effects. He doesn't have any kind of special equipment. You know, you don't even really need to plug in. You just have to know how to play the instrument. Right. And that's that's what inspired me to learn how to play was songs like that, you know, that, uh, again, just big dumb G chords because <laughs> there I, they are. I think that's where but, it starts uh, for most people, though, because you, you, you try to reach for the things that you feel are tangible, right? Hey, I might can actually pull that off, right? Mm -hmm. And you build your vocabulary from there. So, yeah, that's that's also an influential thing, right? Because all the music that we start off liking is not really difficult stuff. But at the time, it just kind of speaks to you, right? Uh-huh. And that's what you build off of. So, yeah, I mean, I think anybody in the right mind would want to be able to play anything Slash plays, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If you can play it at least half as good as him, then you're a pretty damn good player. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. uh, let's see, man. My next guy is, like, everything's been soft and melodic, but um, my next probably i wouldn't say influence but just love this guy was uh dimebag daryl oh yeah from uh, Pan from pantera yeah um i saw pantera live several i mean they're from dallas right so i mean i i saw them i saw them in in smaller shows and then big stadium shows and um he was that band you know, talk about talk about getting overshadowed by your brother because Vince Vince Paul was the drummer and he's right. a phenomenal drummer. Yeah, he is great drummer. But but um, but Dime could take that guitar and from from and you know, well he he tuned down to like C, but from like the the open E string to the highest note and everything in between, and he, you know. They stopped letting him compete in guitar competitions because he won them so easily. Right. Nobody, nobody could even touch him whenever yeah. he was a teenager, like when he was in high school. And, uh, you know, like, Pantera was one of those bands, like, kind of in that same, you know, it's like when Guns N' Roses kind of hit me in that early, you know, like, late preteen, you know, early teenage years, and Pantera started hitting when I was about, you know, 15, 16, 17, when I started getting angry. They were the perfect soundtrack to a lot of summers at the pool, driving around in cars, you know, shenanigans. You know, we'd go to right. shows, see all the bands, and you know, it's like so. The world went to grunge, which I like grunge. Like I like I like I all the Seattle it, yeah. bands. I like I like I liked grunge. I liked I've got a great album collection full of a whole bunch of one hit wonder bands. Mm -hmm. You know, like Marcy Playground and stuff that just popped in, but they turned out to actually have really great records. Right. But yeah, you know, like I'm a music guy, so I just yeah. you know, like I don't buy singles, you know, like I buy records yeah. and if mine the record's was 
Mine was Veruca Salt, man. I I love oh. I love Veruca Salt. Dude, absolutely. I saw them once. They're awesome. They're they're, awesome. they're amazing. Yeah. And uh but yeah, it's but but Pantera for us was a big one. Pantera yeah. was, yeah. you know, we'd go we'd go see them anytime they came it came to town and Dime would just go out like one-handed, man. He's like he's like taking a drink and he's just one-handed and he oh, yeah. is just yeah. just tearing it up. Through a and, solid state amp too. That's the thing is, uh-huh. you know, <laughs> so much of that sound was because of what he was using and you know, it's hard to make people that are not musicians understand solid state is something that most guitar players go ah no thanks uh-huh. <laughs> right <laughs> well if you even said in interviews like i know it sounds like crap but it's my crap right. like <laughs> he's just unapologetic for it it's like it just works for him yeah. this is what he's playing that's my sound and, uh, yeah and um but yeah man it's like that that's one of those that's and after they broke up, I was always ho- holding out hope because, yeah. you know, even even whenever you know they're getting heavier and heavier and heavier, and you're like, okay, there's there's no way you can get even heavier without it just being like <clears throat> for an hour. You know, it's like right. <laughs> you just put put the drums on speed and just <clears throat> right. It's just, it's just a grinder. It's just a marbles in a blender. Yep. Um, but yeah, that would have been been cool to have them back for a little bit. But right. uh, yeah, you know. And why why did Dime Bag play so well? Because of the next guy I'm going to bring up, who I'm not an overall, he's the greatest thing that ever happened, which is probably going to get on a flack about because he was <laughs> another trendsetter. And you got to go with Randy Rhodes, man. I mean, mm, big time. The, 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 the neoclassical influence is pretty much, and, and go with, with Richie Blackmore here as well, because those two guys, the styles that they were playing is everything we were hearing all the way up to Guns N' Roses. The mm-hmm. style that those guys were playing was the influence for all of those guys. The Reb Beaches uh, and Pedrelli, you name it. All these guys heard what Randy Rhodes was doing. I mean, all, I mean, seriously, every band started pulling from that neoclassical style that Randy Rhodes started. Warren DiMartini, mm-hmm. incredible guitar player. Heavily influenced by Randy Rhodes. There's no denying it. I mean, you know, and the list goes on and on. Uh, yeah. Our our period of music, or specifically my period of music, would not exist without Randy Rhodes. And, that, yeah, one of the best albums ever is that Ozzy Osbourne and Randy Rhodes tribute where he's lifting oh, yeah. them up sure. on, the, on the cover. Yeah, the live album, um, yeah. So, so young. Yeah. Too, whenever whenever he passed, you know, just to, getting just, going, man, just getting to, going. To, to, to see what he could have accomplished, because, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, no, you're right. Randy Rhodes is an amazing. Yep. Because it's all it's kind of funny because uh, like on a, on an influential side of things, one of my favorites. I mean, he's not a one. I mean, he's a great guitar player, but he's certainly, but uh, Tony Iommi. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, you know, it's like cut his finger off so he's like oh <laughs> i can't play a guitar the way it's supposed to be played so i'm just going to tune it down to where i can i can do it and then it just creates an entire genre of music right um yeah black black sabbath is yep i, I mean, mean i had a I buddy love, that said i love me some ozzy yeah like i love ozzy i love sure. Oz, 80s ozzy but but black sabbath is untouchable sure With that original lineup yeah um 
and yep. and they're just I mean I still that, get goosebumps from some of their songs. You that know what power, I mean? <laughs> man. It, it's just it's 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 absolute power. I mean, really. I mean, it is just I mean, just those opening chords of a war pigs just nails you when you hear it. I mean, it's the blues, but it's tuned down to Hades, right? I mean, it's mm-hmm. just like, uh, you know, it's earth-shaking what those guys did. Uh, yeah, Tommy Omi, out of necessity, became his own thing because of a handicap, if you want to say it that way. And I mm-hmm. remember, I remember reading the thing where that accident happened right when they were signing their contract with a record company too. Yeah, yeah. And he was thinking it was over, and he got to think about uh, Django Reinhardt, right? Who was I don't know if you people have ever looked up any Django Reinhardt. Dude had what, two, three fingers total mm-hmm. on his hand, and can burn it like Mama's biscuits, right? <laughs> And he said, yep. if that guy can do it, this is kind of like your Def Leppard story. If that guy can do mm-hmm. it, then I can do something. And there you go. That inspiration, man. Big time. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, and then you think about all the guys that are in that, that under that umbrella there. You got Iommi, you got Blackmore, but then you think about all your breakaway bands from that, right? So you get Vivian Campbell, right? Who's mm-hmm. like the marriage of both, right? Riding the big heavy <laughs> riffs, but then also... You know, pulling in the, that that heavy influence, but the Randy Rhodes style playing as well. All those guys, Gary Moore. I mean, come on, Gary mm-hmm. Moore, John Sykes. I mean, uh, we could sit here and go all day. George freaking Lynch, man. Yep, <laughs> I was about to say, Mister Scary. So much. Well, and that's the thing. That's the thing. Whenever you completely define a genre, because like. You know, talking to my dad about the history of of uh, rock and roll because he would just go off for hours. Like he just, I mean, he he just loved it. He just yeah, like, and like remember on MTV the guy Matt Penfield. Oh yeah, just, yeah. He just talk about he would just talk about bands and then like go off like these guys were in this band with this band yep. and then talk to this other guy who was in this band and then they wrote a song together and formed this whole thing. My dad could do that. He'd talk yep. about bands and players and instruments and yep. you know relationships and you know that kind of stuff i'm, I'm into that always... too man I've, I've got you know i've got the the rock and roll kind of family tree right where you where it all <laughs> all connects man that's why i said it's hard to just diss a different style of music because everything influenced somebody right it oh. doesn't necessarily have to be from the same same genre of music because one of the biggest guitar players on the planet was influenced by the 60s guitar players, but he was also influenced by 40s ragtime and stuff like that, right? Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, it's it's interesting what those influences are. And how well, see, coming up, coming up in the 90s when it was kind of cool to not like stuff, which I never right. quite understood, but of course I was part of that, and it's like, oh, you know, too cool for school type stuff. Right. Then later on it occurred to me, it's like, because a buddy of mine was like, hey, you want to go see the band Muse? I don't like Muse, right? <laughs> We go, we go watch Muse, and I'm like, these guys are freaking phenomenal. Yes, they are. <laughs> and then I was like, okay, so I'm not gonna knock them. I'm just gonna say they're really good at writing songs I don't want to listen to, like, because <laughs> they're they're freaking awesome. But yeah. I just like basically like I don't have a problem with the music. The dude's voice just kind of grates on me, so it's oh, yeah. not you know like I'm not being like oh they suck because of course they I certainly get that. don't. 
See, I, um, I, I can't listen to King Diamond, man. I mean, no, I, I, I'm the music, like he's the music's amazing, amazing, but I just, I can't, I can't do it. I, it took me a long time with Bruce Dickinson, you know, to get it, used to Bruce. It, it, it takes, it takes, yeah, well, I mean, that's kind of an exposure thing. Yeah. Um, with, with, with Iron Maiden, I was the same way. Iron Maiden kind of skipped me because by the time I was back into that kind of new wave of heavy metal, I was, I was on to like Metallica. Yeah. You know, like Metallica, Pantera, that kind of world. So that melodic 80s sounding metal for, uh, for Maiden, like I missed Aiden, I missed Maiden when I was a kid. I didn't, I didn't really right. quite catch up with them. It was one of those things that I knew the songs, I had heard them. Yeah. So like. I grabbed grabbed a greatest hits record and was like, I know all these songs. I've heard them, I've heard them forever. Yeah. I know them. You just I've never, never put really, it all together, right? Never really listened to it before. And then when I listened to it, I was like, God, these guys are really good. And so I had to buy up several other records right. and you know that kind of stuff. It's kind of like uh, it's kind of like the early pre stuff too, because it always gets so overlooked because of the '80s pre stuff, right? Screaming for vengeance, mm-hmm. you know, uh, defenders of the faith, all that's. But you go back and you listen to, to like Sad Wings of Destiny, and you're just like, "Holy crap, man! These guys, <laughs> guys are amazing." You know, it's just uh, you know, they were trying to do things that the world just wasn't ready for yet. You know, mm-hmm. and, and like you said, you were you were just mentioning Metallica and all this stuff. Yeah, all those guys grew up wanting to be you know they would get together and jam maiden songs and priest songs and mm. so i mean it's that that again that ancestry of of creating those bands and it's all a matter of when you jump in the game um mm-hmm. that's that's what's amazing about it um yeah great great stuff yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, so who's your next well, guy uh well to me and this is this is a touchy subject because this has just recently been announced on I don't know what company put it out there, but he's considered to be the the greatest guitarist uh, of the past I don't know fifty years or something like that. And the number one spot went to Brian May, and a lot of people are like, "Why?" Yeah, I saw that actually, and I'm like, like. Obviously, you've only heard the hits, because <laughs> if you go back and you really listen to what he did, his contributions to music is phenomenal. And I mean, I think it's... I think I think all of those polls always though those polls always always are gonna have oh yeah it's so gonna be controversial many variables yeah. it's gonna be controversial because right. the, the, one of my one of my ones that I'm gonna put on here like one last I'm gonna talk about. Um, not one of my favorite bands in the world, but um, right. Right. I think that they get a whole lot less credit than they should. So, yeah. but uh, like, but Brian May is like you said, you you've only heard the hits, which you know, Queen is. I think Queen is a kind of a juggernaut now. Like they've that movie revitalized their their sure. presence, yeah. and 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 really kind of brought them screaming back, kind of like the Doors in the eighties. Yeah. Um, but if you go back and listen to and I'm not, I'm not even talking about Night at the Opera. I'm talking about the first few albums. There's sounds on there that you don't even know as a guitar. It's kind of like how we hold Tom Morello up so high about his in, you know ingenuity, or however you want to say mm-hmm. that, of making get a guitar do things that a guitar shouldn't do. 
Brian May's career has been <laughs> fooling you with sounds that you thought was a clarinet <laughs> mm-hmm. or whatever it is, and it and it's his homemade guitar playing through a transistor radio that they modified to create an amp out of, you know, and yeah, you know. The thing with the harmonies, I mean, his live solos with the harmony where he's playing the harmonies in a cycle all to himself. I mean, it's just, it's genius. And his heavy sound, when it kicks in, there's really not anything any bigger. Mm-hmm. Listen to uh, Princes of the Universe, right? Off of A Kind of Magic. That's one of the biggest guitar sounds ever. So, was he a, was he a shredder? No. He was a blues guy, but he had a background in jazz and big band. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he also had the idea of doing something nobody else was doing, which is really what sets you apart, right? Same thing Hendrix did, but instead mm-hmm. of it being from a musical talent, it was a creating your own sound. You know, he was trying to shape the sounds in his head. It's the same thing everybody accuses the edge of being so great at, right? Yeah, <laughs> dude, you accidentally hooked your, you know, echo pedals up backwards to your amp and it gave you this sound and now you're the coolest thing that ever happened, you know? I hate to, <laughs> hate to tell you this, but the 16-year-old guitar player that was in Flock of Seagulls was doing the exact same thing, <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> but Brian May is on a different level because of the harmonies, putting the things together the sound uh you know i just think he's one of the most brilliant guitar players and again another guy that it wasn't all about the guitar playing it was about playing mm-hmm. for the song well and you you have to think being in a band with freddie mercury just with with his yeah with his with his chops with his vocals with his yeah. charisma yeah you know if you're if like not the but if you're going to sit there in a room and you're going to create and you're going to be like, okay, so first yeah. we're going to start with, you know, we're going to grab an acoustic guitar and a piano and we're going to just start, you know, writing some verses and stuff. That kind of uh, elite upper echelon talent, it's going to push you to do stuff that oh, yeah. maybe you yeah. wouldn't have otherwise thought. Because uh, no, Queen Queen's awesome. Brian it's May's awesome. Like gonna said, make you gonna the, make the, you a better the, musician to be around people that are way better than you, right? Mm-hmm. You ever think you of that way? Be. I've always liked the, my favorite band situation that I was ever in was at a band that was doing pretty well. We actually went and played in New York quite a bit, and I was the weak link, and I was happy with that because if I know <laughs> I'm the weak link, then this band is strong. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. all I got to worry about is me messing up. Yeah. <laughs> You don't have to be listening to everybody else. Right. I don't have to worry about, oh, no, we're going to, somebody's going to drop out here or whatever. I didn't have to worry about that. And, and that's this band right here, Queen, was one of those that every one of those guys were brilliant at what they did. But you had Freddie Mercury in the band. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? It's kind of like being the drummer in Yes, right? It's like, well, <laughs> you know, well, what do you want me to do? I mean, <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's like, and like, if you think of a band like Queen, which the biopic apparently was not, it was like, I read a thing that's like, nope, that's not how they were at all. Oh yeah, I, I like, could have told you that. <laughs> the, the, it's like, it's like, no, the the that whole uh, that Live Aid thing, they did. It wasn't a, the coming back of a band that was on the verge of breakup. The reason no. they were so awesome is because they just came off at of twelve weeks of constant rehearsal. Yep. Like, 
And I'm yep. sure 12 weeks of like eight hour rehearsals per day because that was their job. Like right. they, they went in and they played and they nailed it because that's what they were there for. Well, they and they didn't. They, they, they just they got back from real. Many... Yeah, they got back from Rio de Janeiro where they played the one of the largest outdoor concerts of all time on the Works tour. And this was, mm-hmm. you know, this was them. They were actually taking a break and got called back in to do this. And yeah, I mean, and and. It's funny because it, it, it's considered to be this landmark achievement of the band. Really, all they did was just play better than everybody else that was there. But as far as mm-hmm. a Queen show, it's weak. <laughs> if you see some of the other yeah. stuff, this is not even close to the Magic Tour or any of that stuff, or the Jazz Tour, which was phenomenal. But they just outdid mm-hmm. everybody else that was there that day, you know? So yeah, that's what I'm saying is because like I love I like biopics, but they always kind of run the same sort of thing. It's like well, it's and, a and, it's a movie, yeah, right? The, you got to keep it entertaining. Of course. Yeah. Well, and then we just watched the Elton John one the other day, and it was exactly the same story. Yeah. Like precisely, it's like up, oh, you're on your way up, then you get a little too much success, then your drugs and alcohol, and you're on your way down. It's like that's that's the story of them all. But yep. you know, some some of them keep trucking. But it's like, can you imagine being like the opposite? Because like, I was big into the Doors, you know, and like all the four guys, all the four guys in the Doors were classically trained, extremely yep. like jazz, yep. you know, like like college educated in music. Right. And then Jim Morrison comes through, and you know he could sing and he could write. But he's such a loose cannon that the other guys are just like, "Who's this guy?" But they're like, "They're they're he's their secret sauce." Like, right? <laughs> well, but I've always looked at Kiss that way too with Ace Frehley because, you know, they're putting the band together and the three of them are serious. They don't have a guitar player yet, and, and they're talking to Bob Kulick, who's the guy that had the gig. And Ace comes walking in wearing one red shoe and one orange shoe. <laughs> <laughs> Walks over and plugs into an amp and just starts playing. They're like, who the crap is this guy? Hey, buddy, you need to turn that off. Go wait your turn. And they said, it was it was Ace, you know, and said as soon as they started playing together, said, this is it. So it's yep. that secret sauce, right? That one, that one more thing. It may not be perfect, but it works to complete the puzzle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Jim Morrison is, I mean, another, uh, he's, he's, a, he's a runaway train phenomenon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we have to do a singer hey. show. We've we've turned into the singer show. <laughs> hey, I think we're just talking about bands, but you know, like, and we're we're kind of running up on time. But um, and if you've got others, then be glad to talk about it. But like, another to me, an influential guitar player that does not get the credit that he should is Adam Jones from sure. Tool. Yeah. Um, I, I think it's bizarre. I mean, a lot of these magazines aren't even around anymore, but even up to, like, like 15, 16 years ago, you know, Tool kind of took the word world by storm. Right. And whether, you know, it was certainly by design because they didn't like to show their faces, they were pretty antisocial. So they didn't do, they, did, they, they, they didn't, you know, play kissy face with the media. Right. But you listen to every band that exists before Tool, and then you listen to every band mm-hmm. that tried to be a band 
after Tool, and every single one of them sounded yep. like Tool. Absolutely. Like, all the stuff that's on the, the, the alternative rock radio now, every one of those guys has a guitar in drop D. Right. Every one of them is running those riffs. You're always going to hear those squealing, like, one and two note. Uh, yep. Har- pitch uh, harmonics, yeah. The p- pinches. They're just kind of stuff. With, with, but Adam Jones didn't, I mean, Adam Jones had his own influences, but Tool just did whatever it was they were doing without sounding like other people. Like, they just, they didn't sound like anybody else, you know? They just kind of, and a a lot of Tool's sound came from Adam Jones, just like you say with Brian May, just playing around with his guitar, seeing what he could get out of it with different volumes and effects and stuff like that. And just, you know, they'd be like, okay, here's the top 10 most influential bands, or, you know, top 100 most influential bands, and Tool wouldn't even make the list. And I'm like, that is a lie, because... That's crazy. I know of at least a I know of of at least two dozen bands that have made it, yeah. like that that are a direct uh, progeny of Tool. Um, Tool's a lot more influential than they get credit for. And Adam sure. Jones is is I mean, all all of the guys are are equally important, but the guitar sound in that band, the thing I think that really made them stand out. Mm-hmm. Uh, musically, was was his experimentation and strange textures and stuff. Right. I mean, Danny Carey is one of the most greatest oh, drummers yeah. too. Yeah. I mean, yeah, phenomenal. But uh, yeah. but uh, you know, I think, and for me too, because you know, coming out of that grunge, you know, I, I always like the dark side of stuff. You know, I'm yeah. sure talking Dimebag Daryl, Tommy Owen, <laughs> Adam Jones, um, you know. With with little heart bubbles coming out of my head because they're just so <laughs> awesome. But, uh... All right, so I've got a little short list. I got to throw these people out there real fast. No no real particular order except for one. But Jakey e. Lee, one of my favorite guitar players. Uh, he is he Randy Rhodes? No, and I don't really like to compare his Aussie stuff. When I when I say when I say Jakey e. Lee, I mean I do like the Aussie stuff, but the Badland stuff that he did. Great, great albums. Great playing. If you've never listened to those, definitely check those out. If you can find them, they've been banned. Mm. So, oh wow, uh, there's a whole story behind that. We'll get into that sometime. Ingve um, <laughs> freaking Momstein, man. Oh yeah, I was a huge Ingve fan. That really opened my eyes to the possibilities of a guitar. Right? <laughs> he he took what Randy Rhodes was did it was doing, and took. What Paganini was doing on the on the violin and just turned Spit into it up. <laughs> it's just uh, to this day I'm still just amazed when I hear some of that stuff. Just phenomenal. Uh, Satriani, I mean mm-hmm. the guy that's you know just again knows how to write an instrumental and make you sing along with it, and just those crazy sounds it gets out of it. Um, who else? I had another one. Richie Kotzen. Have you listened to any Winery Dog stuff? Mm-mm. Winery Dogs is Richie Kotzen, Billy Sheehan, and Mike Portnoy together. Oh, wow. Unreal. Unreal. One of the best. I mean, there's a video out there of a concert. You can find it on YouTube. Unreal, man. Now, Richie Kotzen is a virtuoso, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, he he, he kind of got lost in the mix. Ended up playing in Poison when CeCe left. 
end up uh, messing around with the drummer's wife and got kicked out of the band. <laughs> no, no. But he's one of those guys that, and you ought to hear him sing, too. I'm telling you, as soon as you get done with this, go check out some winery dogs. You're going to be floored. Okay. Uh, but he plays, and he, like I said, he's a shredder guy. But he's playing a Telecaster, no pick, and just wow. freaking burns. Un- unbelievable, unbelievable player. So my last one I'm going to throw in the ring, and I'm sure I'm lifting out a bunch of people going to go, oh, what about this guy? <laughs> well, I can't fit them all in here. If you take Hendrix, Eddie Van Halen, Brian May, oh, I forgot to mention Ty Tabor from King's X. Ty Tabor's a phenomenal guitar player. Great tone. But you take Hendrix, uh, Brian May, a little bit of Ingve, Eddie Van Halen, you put them in a blender, and out comes Nuno Bittencourt. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Because he is really the, the amalgamation of all that together, man. He's, he's too good for his own good. He's the Brad Pitt of guitar, right? <laughs> he's you hate Brad Pitt because the girls all like him so much, but then when you see a movie he's in, you're like, you know what? I get it. He's pretty pretty freaking awesome, right? That's <laughs> Nuno Bittencourt, man. You hate it because the girls are swooning, but my lord, is there anything the guy can't do? And a lot of you are going, what from from Extreme? Yeah, absolutely. If you only know the hits, then you are really missing out. Pick any album. I don't care which one. Your face is going to melt. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a there's so much of that too. Like the you know, it's like like I mentioned, you know, just off the cuff a few minutes ago, like Marcy Playground. Like yeah. obviously not a guitar, not not a guitar yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. record at all. But they've got that one hit. Mm-hmm. They got one hit, and it is the least best song on that yeah. record. The the whole record's great. That song's pretty good. Um, so you have a lot of stuff, like you say, a lot of a lot of a lot of records, a lot of bands that had, you know, maybe had a hit, maybe, you know, they threw up a, a, threw something up while they were working on their record and they got picked up and they weren't even done with the other stuff yet because you don't necessarily know the history. Right. But there's a lot of, there's a lot of gems, you know, hidden gems in, in there. I always wondered too, like with radio, like, because the record's a property already, like the record company, it's like, why don't we do, yeah. like, stop, like Empire Strikes Back is the number one movie in America. It's like, right. why couldn't you just come back through a record and, like, re- release a single off of a record that's already been out? Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I, it, I never understood why. Because it's all about trying to fit in with what's currently going on, and you're trying to find that sound, right? So you're trying to find, mm. you're trying to find the next song that sounds like a Katy Perry song. And once you do that, it's over. Once you try to yeah. sign 15 other bands that look like and try to sound like Guns N' Roses, it's over. Yeah. And that's that's the problem. That's the reason you see this this turning of the music, because it gets stale. Mm-hmm. There's always room for the original, and then you get all the copycats, and that's what ruins it for everybody. I mean, it, it yeah. happened to, to, to my favorite genre of music. You know, during the, the 80s hair metal stuff, it went from Priest and all these bands to, to Trickster. And you just kind of yeah. went, yeah, I'm I'm done, you know. <laughs> yeah. Got to go find something else to do. <laughs> yeah. So. Oh man, well this one was awesome. We yeah. are we were right up against time, so I'm just gonna shout out to the Facebook group. You guys keep it coming. Keep us keep the questions coming at us. We'll keep the shows coming at you. Post your favorite guitar players. Put put your yeah. pictures of your favorite guitar players on the on the Facebook page. 
who would you like to see, you know, living or dead? Who who would you like to see come back and and uh, for one more show? Because man, there's a, there's a lot that I'd like to see. But yeah, well, cool, man. Well, I think this is it for today. We'll right. uh, we'll do it. We'll do a we'll do a singers episode next time because that that would be fun. Yeah, that's cool. All right, man. We'll talk to you later on. Right. Thank you.